I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of the official Gonna Geek Show. This is episode 394. I'm Steven, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. What's up, party people? And we've got the whole trifecta with SP. Hello there. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm, I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. And I've also realized that the way that I framed this for the video side of things, it's this gradual slope downwards, which is very, very odd. So you guys need to sit up the entire time and I need to slouch. Feel like I need to have some phone books here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're back. It's been a year, if you didn't know. Um, thanks for everybody who's in our live chat right now. It's at www.geeks.live. And for those of you who are checking this out after, I also sincerely appreciate that because, yeah, we've been away for a year. Isn't it good, though, to be doing a show together, guys? It feels awesome because, you know, Chris and I have done a show together. Chris and I have done shows apart from each other, but you have not done a show for the entire year of 2022. It's true. It's true. Uh, Chris, I know that you, this was your reprieve from, from me, right? For the first time in forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I do want to <sighs> just, just say it right now, because if you go back and you listen to the last episode, we said we would come back in the new year. And, and so, yes, we did admittedly go it's on a new year. <laughs> <laughs> we did go on hiatus a lot longer than we had planned. And um, I, I'm going to take it. It's me. Uh, I, I had to 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 understate it a very crappy year. Uh, and so I actually took a whole year off of of podcasting aside from doing a better podcasting episode in December. But I'm starting to get back into it. I'm excited to get back into it. And Here's the thing. I'm going to be transparent with everybody. I want to get this out up front. Gonna Geek Show was on the chopping block, okay? We're going to lay that out right now. It was on the chopping block because we've been doing it a long time, nearly 400 episodes. And, and while we do really, really, really enjoy talking to each other and have had many conversations over the past year about geeky things and about how we miss talking to each other about geeky things, the reality is we are a broad scope of topics on the Gonna Geek show for geekery and the podcasting and, and video consumption and, and uh, what is it? I see it's been so long. Netcasting consumption has, has been, been so focused. It's hyper-focused these days. So I hate that term. <laughs> but netcast? I hate it so much. Netcast? Yes. I brought it back for you. But uh, the thing is, because of that, there's not a ton of, of audience out there or interest in such a broad scope. I know that you listening and you watching are interested, but we got we got to look at everything. And so Gonna Geek Show was on the chopping block, but we've decided that we are going to keep it going on a much more reduced basis. And what we're looking at right now, we're still working out the details. We're thinking it's going to be a monthly show. I know that that's a that's a slow burn, but that's what we're looking at doing is like once a month, we can get together, talk about some of the crazy geek highlights over the last month. You can join us. You can join us if you can't, you can't. But 
Uh, that's what we're looking at right now. We're going to get you the exact way that's going to look in the future. But there was a topic that came up this week that we thought this is the moment for us to dive back in, do an episode, and we'll give you a TBD on or TBA, whichever you'd prefer, on the exact release going forward. But that's what we're looking at for the Gunna Geek show. So please check out uh, our Twitters. You can go to twitter.com slash Gunna Geek. We'll announce that there or hop over to our, our Discord server at gunnageek.com and slash Discord. You can check that out there. I think that's set up still. I don't know. I haven't checked it in a long time, but just, you know, go go to gunnageek.com and you'll see a, 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 a Discord icon. <laughs> it's there. gunnageek.com slash Discord is still a thing. Okay, perfect. I haven't tested it in a while, but thank you to everybody checking us out right now. And we'll have the exact specifics coming soon. Let's just go ahead and get in to the news. And before I do that, I'll just quickly stall as I realize that I'm so out of date. So Rusty, I forgot to change the sidebar to the title card that said, we're back, baby. All right, everybody. We got news. Did you know that there's been news over the last year? Shocked. <laughs> shocked, I say. I didn't think it was possible. I, I'm as shocked as you. I, I thought as soon as we stopped doing this show, all geek news would cease. I'm pretty sure it did. <laughs> I mean, nothing important happened. It's not like Hugh Jackman came back to some important role that we're not going to talk about no, today. Not he only came back because he knew we were going to have a podcast the following Monday. That's the only reason he came back. It's almost like Google made a business decision because they knew we were talking about coming back too. I think so. I think so. Which takes us, of course, to the reason we thought this was our time. This was our time to do a show. And it is all about... Google Stadia. Yeah, that's right. If you've long listened to or watched the show, you may have known or heard about us talk about Google Stadia before. That's right. You might think about when Google Stadia was first announced, we chatted. We were excited. We thought this sounds like a fun concept to get into cloud gaming. And Google, they've got the backbone to do it. They could make it work. So I went and I pre-ordered Google Stadia. But in usual Google fashion, the shipments were poor and the Canadian shipment came quite late, like several weeks after launch, to which when it arrived, I looked at all of the different articles out there which were trashing on Google Stadia, including regular consumers saying, yeah, it's got a lot of room to grow. So what I did, what did I do? I just went and I sent it back to Google completely unopened. And then there continued to be more conversation about Google Stadia over the years, including different trouble that arose, such as in episode 323 in March of 2020, when we talked about how Google was making it very difficult for developers to create games for Google Stadia. And then in episode 355, that was November of 2020, Chris Farrell, he decided he was going to put me in my place. And he went... And he did a review for Google Stadia because he actually called it, quote, Stadia by Chris, the review that Steven failed at. And this was because he went and he bought himself Google Stadia. Well, I think he actually technically got it as a free promo. It and was he, a freebie. <laughs> he did a full review about Google Stadia. 
And then the problems continued in episode 364, February of 2021, Google announced the closing of Google Stadia Studios. This is the studio that was dedicated to making Stadia games. And then it was really weird because I think most recently in episode 380 uh, in June of 2021, Google announced that they were bringing Stadia to the Google Chromecast with Google TV. Yeah, that was after they seemed to be winding it down. And we were referring to Google as winding down Stadia. So when this week, Google announced that they were going to officially end Google Stadia, it felt like we needed to come back and do an episode. And so that was what happened on September 29th. They went, and by the way, it's 2022, if you're checking this out afterwards, they announced that they will be ending Google Stadia's on a blog post. They said, quote, a few years ago, we also launched a consumer gaming service, Stadia. And while Stadia's approach to streaming games for consumers was built on a strong technology foundation, it hasn't gained the traction with users that we expected. So we made the difficult decision to begin winding down our Stadia streaming service. We're grateful to the dedicated Stadia players that have been with us from the start. We will be refunding all Stadia hardware purchases made through the Google Store and all game and add-on content purchased made through Google Stadia Store. Players will continue to have access to their games library and play through January 18th of 2023 so they can complete final play sessions. We expect to have the majority of refunds completed by mid-January 2023. They did send out an email to everybody as well. Well, so kudos to Google for going, hey, yeah, we're going to refund everybody because this is this is something that they didn't have to do. But there's there's question marks. There's discussions to be had, including the idea of e-waste. And before I turn it over to you, Chris, and SP to comment on this, I just want to touch on this because this, this has been sort of the hubbub around around everything, which is that the Google Stadia controllers that they made are primarily meant to work through Wi-Fi. That's, that's how they're meant to work. They're meant to work through Wi-Fi to control the Google Stadia platform, but they do have a wired capability of plugging into USB, but on a limited basis. They're using the HID protocol, the human interface device connection, which is quite limited, but they did previously tout on the, uh, the, the specs for this that, quote, Product contains Bluetooth Classic Radio. No Bluetooth Classic functionality is enabled at this time. Bluetooth Cl Classic may be implemented in a later date, end quote. And what that was saying is that the controller had normal Bluetooth functionality in it, but it was not enabled for playability. And so right now everybody's going, you created all these controllers that are out there now that have very limited function outside of Stadia. So can you just do something else? so that we can we can maybe use this for something else, then it's not completely wasted because a lot of people actually really like the Google Stadia controller, which I think brings up, brings up that question of e-waste because if they just go and refund everybody, yeah, there, there is a bunch of e-waste out there. So Chris, you're holding up your Stadia controller. I'm going to turn it over to you first to comment. It's actually a really good controller. And this problem is incredibly overblown. Someone started writing editorial and it took off because it's fun to dunk on Google. And I, I do have my own issues with the cancellation of Stadia. We'll get to some of that. But um, I've used this Stadia controller right here to play more games on my laptop locally or via Xbox's cloud streaming app than I ever did with Stadia. And yeah, it's annoying that I can't connect over Bluetooth, but I literally just plug my USB-A to C cable in 
and it's worked on Steam games. It's worked on Xbox cloud gaming games, stuff like that. I've never had a problem. So I guess you could argue if you are super core diverse, this controller is a bunch of e-waste, but literally all you have to do is plug it into your device and it works. So I don't understand the argument being made here other than people are just kind of trying to dunk on Stadia because that's the popular thing right now as it's going out because everyone's like, I told you so. I told you it's going to die. Well, yeah, we all said that. It was the gag three years ago. So what I had read, though, was that the um, the interface plugged into Xbox and PlayStation didn't work very well. That was what I had read. Oh, really? I, I've played a ton. I have my laptop that sits over here is plugged into a large monitor and it's a productivity machine, but I wanted to play games on it. So I've been using the Xbox uh, cloud-based streaming to play games on there. And the controller I use for that is this Stadia controller right here. I plug it in and I play with that. And I've had no problems in regards to the controller being problematic for me. Because once it's plugged in, it's just a wired controller. It's not using the Bluetooth or the Wi-Fi or anything like that. It's just the USB connection to play. So I don't really know where some of these folks are coming from saying like, oh my God, e-waste, it's not going to work. I mean, I'm a limited sample set, I guess, compared to other folks. But every time I've plugged it in, it's run just fine. Okay, so you mentioned also before we get to USP, uh, Chris, you said that you had another concern about this shutdown, why don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the good, the good thing is they're refunding consumers their money. They didn't tell developers they were shutting this down. A lot of the developers that are making games for Stadia right now on exclusive deals, they didn't find out through their Stadia manager or whatever the term is, the folks at Stadia that are working with them. They saw it posted on Twitter. There's folks that were building a custom game that was slated to come out like this week. Weren't told ahead of time. They saw it on Twitter. So now there's a big question of these developers that were paid money to port their game over to Stadia and and not insignificant amount of money or to make their game exclusive to Stadia. Your contracts are worded so that you're getting paid once it delivers. But if you haven't delivered your game yet because they decided to shutter the service, is that just all lost money you pretty much Mm. have to write it off they need to figure out what they're going to do for the developers they brought on board one of their big selling points was hey we're going to get a lot of developers on board so we can get this working and they didn't coordinate with any of them when it was shutting down so there's also other folks that were playing like say red dead redemption 2 was a stadia exclusive to play multiplayer there's a dude that was talking about on either youtube or twitter has six thousand hours into multiplayer but no way to get his character from Stadia to another device because there's no port out function there. They did say you can use that Google takeout feature and it should allow you to get game data in some cases, but there's a lot of games that, hey, you started playing it, but there's no way to move your save game to another platform. I don't know if they've got that set up for Cyberpunk, but I did see that Ubisoft came out and said, hey, we're going to work that process so that any game that's on Stadia, you can migrate your save game over to another platform. That's awesome. But there's a lot of other ones that that may not happen. Google can cancel their product if they want to. That's fine. It's their product. But if you got a bunch of people to invest developer-wise to become on board, paid them, had them incentivized to develop your platform and didn't tell them, that's the problem. There's a lot of people that want to dunk on Stadia because they decide to end it. It's fine. What is wrong is how they handled that developer relationship they curated. And if they come and do anything else in Mm -hmm. the gaming arena, say they decide to revisit this idea six years down the road, or they want to go and do gaming on Android uh, devices like the NVIDIA Shield or something like that. Why would you trust them? That's valid. I didn't know about that side 
Um, but I, you know, also, like I said during the whole intro there, uh, we've been talking about how developer relationships have been a problem from the beginning. So, um, to hear that they they didn't care is is I guess not that surprising. It's still wrong. It's still horrible. Like it's still awful to the to the developers. But I guess not that surprising. My my assumption, and this is let's make this patently obvious. This is my assumption. I have nothing to back this up. I have no industry insiders, anything like that. My assumption why they didn't tell anyone because they didn't want it to leak until they were ready to talk about it. Yeah, and it would have. Which, yeah, oh, it certainly would have because there's some people that have invested a ton of money into working on this platform and they burned all those folks. And I hope they make it right with all of those folks, especially those people that are stuck in that mushy middle of, okay, we're getting paid to deliver a game and now we can't deliver it because the day this announcement happened, they closed the shop down. You can't buy anything on Stadia anymore. You can keep playing until they shut down the servers, basically. SP, what's your thoughts? I know that you told me that you actually just bought a Stadia controller a week ago. Well, he'll get his money back. Totally not true. <laughs> so I have a couple of, of points here. First of all, you said the relationships between the developer is bad. Maybe that's a business opportunity. Maybe somebody comes forth with some sort of relationship app that you swipe left or right on in order to, you know, make a better match to, you know, increase the relationships between the developers. There you go. <laughs> that would be good, right? Google has no matches. <laughs> okay, let's be honest with where we are. It is fall of 2022. I know there's a lot of people that don't want to say the R word recession, but with inflation the way it's going, we are headed into a, re uh, a recession if we're not there already. You have a bunch of people that have already cut business losing prospects along the way in order to tighten belts and to get prepared to move forward. A lot of the times it's advertising, but in some cases it's developmental projects that don't show a heck of a lot of promise or that need a lot of development before it actually catches on or is in a crowded market already. And I think that's where Stadia is right now. And I think Google's looking at it going, how much more money do we have to throw into this? And how much money are we expected to get out of it? Seeing as where the economy is going to be in a year, two years, five years from now, we're still going to have problems for the next few years anyway getting a hold of hardware in order to make these things and we're going to have supply issues. Is this really worth it for us to get in? I think that in another time, they'd be willing to take that risk and let this go a lot longer. But in the fall of 2022, they're looking hard internally and they're saying, what do we need to cut to stay viable through this recession? And I think this is one of the casualties. That's just my assessment on where things are, as good as it might be, as bad as it might be. I think that's what happened here. It's perfectly valid. They, Like I said, they just need to make it right with the developers that they're kind of screwing as part of this process. There's a lot of indie game developers that are potentially getting screwed by this. Yeah, I, I realize that. And there's going to be a lot of people that are screwed by the recession completely. There's already people that have lost jobs as companies downsize a little bit and and just tighten their belts as things go forward. The no notice here was kind of eh, but if you start leaking it out, 
then it just gets out anyway. And then consumers like you and me that are semi-informed or fully informed are like, why do I even want to get this? Why do I want to invest not only my money, but my time into this where there's no future in it? I'm just going to go with what I know, like the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5 or I don't know, uh, stream and 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 build a gaming computer because in a brief moment of time, we're actually at a spot for the first time in three or four years where you can build a decent computer, a gaming computer, without having to spend an incredible fortune with parts that exist on the shelves today. So those are some considerations of Google looking into this going, I don't know. And they probably did some market research along the way too, going, do people care about this? Do people recognize Google as a gaming company? And people probably said no. I agree. Oh, you're 100% with you. right. I mean, it never took off to what they wanted no. it to be. The promise was, hey, we can do all this cool stuff, but it was never really, oh my God, every AAA game I can get here. Now, they had some really great ports. Ironically, Cyberpunk 2077, when it launched, was glitchy and buggy on most everything, but the best experience was on Google Stadium. I, I would guess that um xbox i can't remember it the xbox cloud what's it called um it's called xbox cloud what's what's this, the cloud service on xbox called it's part of game pass i don't remember what the official title uh, is now I'm, it used to be called x cloud when it was yeah, in beta i'm gonna guess that 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 you know has has taken off far more than google ever hoped it would have in compare in, in comparison to the the strength that stadia took off and they just went it's, it's a loss like i'm gonna guess that it had a huge part in it but well geforce now which is nvidia's product is still pretty popular and well used the xbox version the writing is on the wall it seems like they want to migrate to eventually being like okay you just have a subscription you can play games in mm -hmm. our data centers assuming your internet's good enough yeah and then even amazon service uh, amazon luna i think is what it's called that's still up and running and they're running deals for the prime day for bundles with a fire tv and a uh Luna controller, which looks very similar to the Stadia one, of course, but I think they changed the layout of the thumbsticks or something like that. So there are other competitors in that field and it's rapidly becoming pretty dense. And the thing that you have to consider is getting games for GeForce Now and Xbox. It's a lot simpler because it's not running on custom hardware in a data center. That was an awesome selling point for Stadia because you can push the limit, but you have to port and do a bunch of work to do it. Meanwhile, if you want to have your Xbox, if you want to have a game on Xbox that works on their cloud streaming, it's basically just an Xbox that's in the data center. Literally, they replaced right. them all with Xbox Series Xs that are in the data center, and that's what you cloud game on. And I believe GeForce Now is running on baseline gaming PC-like hardware in racks. They didn't do custom hardware to support this thing, so it was kind of a cheaper upfront cost, I would assume. Now, you guys mentioned one thing that piqued my interest, too, and I think it piqued Steven's interest as well is when you mentioned the NVIDIA Shield and the Google Stadia playing on that. And we know that Apple TV is getting into gaming. Uh, we talked about it before, not hardcore gaming. We talked about it. I'm backing off on what I said way back when a year, year and a half ago. So don't don't go jump down my throat again right uh, I now. I guess I crossed that off my list of things SP said that were that, that I wanted to bring up later. So okay. But that would have been a good pairing. And it's just, yeah. I don't know if it wasn't realized or what, because you are crossing the streams there between NVIDIA and Google at that point, name recognition anyway. Yeah. Well, RIP Stadia, 
to say it's a surprise would be a lie. So thanks to everybody who's followed this Stadia stuff on the Gonna Geek Show. We appreciate that. And hey, I will let you know, in a box, in my garage, I actually have a Stadia controller in there. So so it just sounds like I can't do anything with it, though, since I never actually signed up, even though Google thinks I did. So are we going to have another bump for the Gonna Geek Show that's like Google Stadia 2022? There, there won't be a watch because the next thing will be it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead in what January? I think is the official. I mean, closing you, date. you say that now. Who knows? Before <laughs> January, somebody at Google might say oh, we could use it for this, and then start revising it. I don't know. Fair enough. Well, moving on to the next news point. You know, you want to say it, Chris? Go ahead, say it. Hashtag six seasons in a movie. There we go. So this was news that a lot of people have been hoping to hear. And it just kind of got announced out of nowhere earlier this week. I believe I saw it on Joel McHale's Twitter account where he posted a picture that was hashtag and a movie, basically, and tagged a bunch of his cast members or fellow cast members either from community and Jillian Anderson because Jillian Jacobs doesn't have a Twitter account. So he accidentally tagged her. But we'll neither get to that later. Yeah. So the community movie that has been the joke of these six seasons in a movie gag that became a running gag throughout community. It is actually happening. Dan Harbin coming back to write and produce. Original cast members, Joel McHale, Danny Pudi, Allison Bree, Gillian Jacobs, Jim Rash, Ken Jeong, all coming back to reprise their roles in 2015. Now, notice I didn't say Yvette Nicole Brown or Donald Glover or Chevy Chase. We haven't heard yet whether they're coming back or not. We haven't heard whether folks like Paget Brewster, who was in the final season, and uh, Keith David, who was also in the final season, would be coming back. Although Paget Brewster did say on Twitter she wants to. And in fact, Gillian Jacobs said she was in too, even though she didn't star in it. But Joel McHale tagged her. So she's like, sure, I'll do it. So who knows? She may show up. But it was announced that Peacock and Sony Pictures TV jointly announced a green light last Friday, describing the negotiations for Peacock as heavily competitive when they went to secure the movie. As part of this deal for the community movie Peacock has also acquired the non-exclusive rights to the entire back catalog of Community, meaning you'll be able to stream it now on Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock as part of this deal. They did announce as part of this press release, Dan Harmon is coming back as executive producer and writer. Joel McHale is serving as executive producer. They're bringing back more of the producer team with Russ Kranzoff and Gary Foster. It seems like most people are coming back. We don't know any specifics on the director of community. And there have been a wide variety of directors. You've probably heard of the Russo brothers directed episodes in the first two seasons of community. Uh, Justin Lin, who directed fast and furious movies and also star Trek beyond did episodes of community. So there's a lot of people that have experience in it. Don't know who's directing. Don't know what all cast members are coming back, but the gag that started as a joke about the terrible, terrible superhero show, the Cape has now morphed itself into the community movie coming sometime to Peacock. And I'm very excited as a longtime community fan to see this happen. My only concern is the fan base for community is very vocal and very big on pushing this idea and getting everyone on board to do it. My only concern is they've built up these expectations for what this movie could be in their head. I don't know that you'll ever be able to meet what the expectations are that some people have dreamed up for a community movie. And I hope Folks, as we get closer to this movie and kind of come to that realization of, hey, everything I've dreamed up in my head for five seasons, they probably can't do. That really is always a problem with something like this that is that is long awaited, right? Like yeah. um, 
you know, I, I think when you look at something like, I'll give you an example, Better Call Saul, it had its finale this past summer. And, and I thought it was a decent finale, but, you know, you had a lot of people dogging on it because it wasn't what for how many years they pictured happened to Saul Goodman, right? Like it wasn't it wasn't their their image of it. So I think with here, you're definitely going to run into that and we'll see how they play that. And in the end, I, I hope that, Chris, you just have fun with it because I know you watch Community. Uh, SP, you you did not watch Community. I watched Community, but it was after the like the big hump, so I, I just never got it. And we've had a mm. lot of conversations about it on the podcast here, and I probably need to go back to season one and catch that magic in a bottle from season one on because I, I went into it like season four, season five. I'm like, I just, I don't understand. I, I'm not picking this up and everybody's looking at me like SP this is in your wheelhouse why are you not getting it it's probably because I never watched the first like three seasons or so, something season like that. Season four was the worst of the show so okay. if you jump on <laughs> around season four that, that's when Dan Harmon wasn't running the show there were disputes with Sony Pictures and NBC so he was pretty much fired from his own show and then they brought him back in season five because of reception for community. I, I will say if anyone who wants to start watching it's one of my favorite shows but they are very formulaic sitcom-y for like the first three episodes because that's what the studio wanted to see before they then flipped the switch and made it weird and exciting and fun and different. And that's how you start getting episodes. It's all about paintball wars on campus directed by the director of the Fast and the Furious movies. So first, I will say that I don't know why anybody doubted this whatsoever because Hollywood is out of good ideas or new ideas. So they eventually either reboot or continue or do whatever with properties these days. So uh, getting a movie out of this was like a sure thing, really, in Hollywood these days. And then second of all, on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we covered this story that the Blade director, Bassam Tariq, has left the project. He's available. He might have left for community. There's a director for you, Chris. I don't know how far that, I mean, I doubt they're far enough in the process right now to be considering a director. My assumption, Grin, I have no insider info, anything like that. My assumption is the Goan house was someone who's worked with them before because of how close to their heart fans hold this show. So it'll be like, oh, we want to see someone who's who understands the spirit and the characters come back and do this. Now, spoiler alert. I don't think the Russo brothers are coming back to do the community no. film as directors. They're far too big for community at this point in time. Would I not be shocked if they showed up in a cameo or there was some homage to them? That wouldn't surprise me because they did an homage to the Winter Soldier elevator fight in one of their paintball episodes, and it was brilliant and hilarious. So I'm going to take that as Chris has insider knowledge that will definitely be the Russo brothers and there will be another... Uh, nod towards the Winter Soldier. That's the only way I'm going to take your statement there. Well, I'm sure there will be nods to the MCU because the Russos did actually take community cast members and put them in some of the movies too. I want to say in particular, I think it would be a mistake for the actor, Danny Glover, not to be included, or Donald Glover, excuse me, not to be included in this project. I think even if he has to take a pay cut, I think he really needs to do this uh, to move forward with his career to be complete and just to get his name out there and stuff like that. I know he's doing way bigger and better things his right now. His name is way out there already. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't need to do a community movie to keep his name out there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's he's a nice guy. And I just think that this would be for him. And Nivette Nicole Brown, I think that would 
I think it would be very soothing for her because she's had some issues in social media lately and everything. And I think this could bring that all back. I hope to heck that Chevy Chase, as much as I loved his earlier comedy, I hope he's not involved in this whatsoever. If you know the behind the scenes of why he got fired, I'd really be shocked if he showed up in any way, shape or form. I would also theorize Donald Glover will probably be there in some capacity when they did the uh, charity reading of one of their episodes during the bits of the pandemic that brought pretty much everyone back, including Donald Glover. And Mm -hmm. he was talking about how much fun he was having and stuff like that. And they were joking, hey, if we get the movie and he was joking that he'd be interested in doing it. I mean, his star is huge right now, but he seems like he was still having fun reuniting with those guys and doing that. So even if he can only be on set for a couple of days to film a bit part, I would love to see one final Troy and Abed moment. Yeah, and, and make some allusions to uh, Star Wars or, you know, whatever roles that he wants to make and stuff like that. That It would just be gold. It would be gold for him forever. Well, I look forward to eventually watching Community. We will see. Oh, it's brilliant. One day. Don't All start right, well, in season four. <laughs> moving on to the next news point here. Artemis One. All right. Where to start? Actually, before you know, we do that, I'm just going to hijack for a minute here. I'll just say it. I was wrong. SP was right. James Webb went up. All the things. Everybody <sighs> agrees, though, that I was right. That James Webb pales in comparison to the Hubble. So there you go. Anyways, go ahead. Continue. Have you seen any <laughs> of the data from James Webb? Have you seen it? Sorry, no, I had to he throw doesn't. in a James Webb comment since we're talking about space news. And that was yeah. such a long thing. And yeah, anyways, go ahead. I was planning on doing the Hubble and James Webb in future updates. We're just not going to talk about it right now. But since you bring it up really quick, there is an exploration on a no kidding mission to extend the life of Hubble. We talked about it in the past, by the way. And it was a th- it has been a thing for a while, but it looks like they're actually doing an exploration of that. And James Webb is up there in Lagrange Point L2 doing its thing right now. And just phenomenal stuff is coming back from it. Really looking forward to its five-year mission. And hopefully they'll be able to extend that as well with using Starship or something like that. But before we get there, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Artemis 1. Where to start with this puppy? This this thing, honestly, and I mentioned it before, I've been kind of not covering it as much on the Gonna Geek show because none of us believed it was going to happen, just like Stephen didn't believe that the James Webb thing was going to happen. None of us really believed that NASA was going to go back to the moon. We thought Congress was going to cut it or NASA was going to botch the football like Charlie Brown or something like that. So let's give a brief history and say where we are today, which is October 3rd, 2022. I'm going to give you the bottom line up front. Artemis 1 is scheduled to focus on a launch window from November 12th through November 27th, 2022. Now, last time we covered it, it was supposed to launch in November of 2021. So that's a whole year that they lost in the process, but there is mitigating factors. So what is Artemis 1? Artemis 1 is basically the new Apollo program. So if you think about the NASA in the 60s and the 70s that they went to the moon, that was Apollo. In the 2020s, that is now Artemis. It's gone through some name changes over the years. It was Constellation for a while, and now it's Artemis. But it is Artemis. 
And in Gonna Geek episode 370, we covered the Artemis 1 core stage firing at the NASA Stennis Space Center. That was like March of 2021 or something like that. It was in early 2021. And then we covered the capsule that they'll be using, the Orion capsule, its first flight in December of 2014. We covered that in a segment on which crewed system was first after the space shuttle. It turns out it was Orion. It was on crewed, but it was there December 5th, 2014. Flew a couple of orbits, high, high orbits around the Earth. And we covered that in Gonna Geek episode 384. But unless you've been in the Get a Geek Discord, you might not know all the discussions that we've all had about the Artemis program and its launch attempts for the past year. So the bottom line is Artemis is NASA's new Apollo lunar program. The Orion is the new Apollo capsule. The SLS, or Space Launch System, is the new Saturn V. And SpaceX's Starship is now NASA's first, quote, human landing system, or HLS or what used to be called in the Apollo program the Lunar Module, or LEM, L-E-M, which was really just LEM or L-M, but they put an E in there just to make sure that it was Lunar Module and they could say LEM versus mm. I really like LEM's uh, Steal My Sunshine, the song. Oh, wait, you said that, that was lead. Never mind. Uh, I wouldn't know. Anyway... So guess what? After 50 years, NASA is returning to the moon, and I am really excited for it. But before humans return to the moon, these systems have to be tested, and that's what NASA is doing right now with Artemis 1. The Artemis 1 stack, that's what it's called when it's on the launcher, it consists of the first SLS, or Space Launch System, the second flight hardware of Orion, and the first reuse of the NASA's Apollo and shuttle mobile launcher and the crawlers and the reusing of the boosters, the solid rocket boosters that used to be with the shuttle. And that has been assembled in NASA's historic vehicle assembly building or VAB at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. And it's been going on for the last year or so. Matter of fact, we talked about this back in episode 370. And I asked you guys if you'd ever been inside the VAB and you both said no. I thought Chris might have done so on a trip down to Disney or something like that. And Stephen, I didn't know if you'd ever been to Florida before or not. You both have not been to Kennedy Space Center and not inside the VAB. It is huge. It was meant for the Apollo program and the Saturn V rocket has its own weather system. I know it's cliche to say that, but when I was in there, I did see fog and rain. So that is where the stack had been for many, many months. The stack was rolled out to historic launch pad 39B for a wet dress rehearsal during which the hydrogen fuel system leaks were first encountered on June 20th, 2022. So you're like, wow, they did the core firing in early 2021, but they didn't do the wet dress rehearsal since June 2022. Why is that? Honestly, it was pandemic, and it was also because NASA focused its attention on both the ISS with Crew Dragon and with James Webb Space Telescope. So Artemis did take a step back because of the pandemic, and that's why it took so long to do the wet dress rehearsal. Now, despite the leaks, the wet dress rehearsal on June 20th was deemed a success because they actually did everything down to like the last 10 seconds. 
I would question that, but I'm not NASA, so they called it a success. The stack was then rolled back to the VAB for repairs and preparation for launch. Once the preparation and repairs were completed, the stack was rolled back out to Launch Complex 39B for a weather-scrubbed launch attempt on August 29th, 2022. Officially, it was scrubbed because of weather. Unofficially, it was scrubbed because they found another hydrogen leak in the lower umbilical Oops. quick disconnect system for the liquid hydrogen fueling system in the six-inch fuel line. So on September 3rd, hydrogen leak mitigation procedures failed, and Artemis's second launch attempt was also scrubbed. So it had two launch attempts. One was scrubbed mostly because of weather, but they also had the hydrogen leak. And then on September 3rd, the hydrogen leak was just too much for it to go. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, I have a leak in my house, but I can still fill my bathtub. Why couldn't they continue on with this? Well, turns out that... Liquid hydrogen is just a teensy little bit explosive, like big time explosive. And That's no excuse. It, that sounds like they didn't try. If, if you watch some of the recent launches, there is a system out there, the Delta IV, which is designed to leak. And it's just the way it goes. It needs so much pressure that it leaks. And if you watch it, the fire, when the engines light, go all the way up to the top of the boosters that it has, basically like halfway up the stack, Artemis or SLS is not designed to handle that. That would torch Artemis, so they can't do that. So they limit the amount of liquid hydrogen that is possible to leak from the vehicle as it's being fueled and pressurized. So the stack was kept at launch complex 39B while repairs to the quick disconnect umbilical line were affected and that pesky faulty temperature sensor for the engine three, which we haven't talked about yet. It was determined to be a non-factor given quote physics unquote and flow monitoring. That's technically what NASA said. We are good to go because of quote physics unquote. That's a great quote. Oh, okay. Okay. Be if physics say we could go. Okay. So on September 21st of 2022, NASA successfully completed a fueling test with the six-inch line now fixed. And I say successfully in quotes again, because there was another leak in the four-inch return line that would have haunted, halted a countdown had it been an actual launch attempt, but it was a smaller leak than the six-inch line. So they still called it a success. I'm getting this thing from NASA that they just they want to go. They got go fever. Go, 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 go. And so they say, well, we fixed it, but we got another problem. Anyway, they set a tentative launch attempt for September 27, 2022. But due to Hurricane Ion, the Artemis 1 stack was moved back to the VAB. I think that was a tremendously smart idea yeah. because it allows them to refurbish the seals on the four inch line, refurbish the seals on the six inch line. We haven't even talked about the flight termination system that has to be recertified. So they're going to go ahead and test those batteries and perhaps change them out if they need to, and then do whatever else they need to maybe give engine three a hug, or maybe even change out that sensor that was faulty that they were going to go with quote, quote, quote unquote physics. Right? So that brings us to now. And now following Hurricane Ion, 
NASA employees went back to the VAB. They extended the platforms to the vehicle and they started inspecting Artemis 1 and the support infrastructure around the stack. And they found everything to be unaffected by the storm. They are working currently to repair Artemis 1 for the 4-inch leak, retest the flight termination system, and maybe take a wrench and bang on the faulty sensor for Engine 3. I don't know what they're going to do on that. <laughs> before Works for me. The, yeah, before rolling the stack back out to launch pad, launch complex 39B and identifying a specific launch date. They did say it is going to be somewhere in the launch window of November 12th through the 27th. And you might be asking yourself, why can't it launch at any time? I mean, it's space. You can go anytime. Technically true. However, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the Orion capsule, unlike the Apollo capsule, is going to have solar panels on it to assist its power because it's going to be up there for longer than a week, 45 days or so, the mission length. So it needs to generate its own power, and they're going to do that by using solar arrays. Well, if you launch at certain parts of the month, the sun is shadowing or is being shadowed by the Earth on your way to the moon. So they have to wait till the moon moves out from behind the Earth or in front of it if you're flying directly at it and the moon's shadowing you. So they can only launch at certain parts of the month so that the flight gives those solar panels so much sun that they can actually power it. Have they considered moving the sun? That's what I would do. I mean, there's the whole thing of shooting a nuke into the middle of the sun, blowing it up and, you know, maybe moving it a little bit. I mean, maybe that'll work. I don't know. But you need Bruce Willis to drill a hole into the say, sun. Don't they call that the Bruce Willis? We're on the backside of the flat earth, so we're not getting a lot of sun right now. <laughs> Hashtag flat earth. <laughs> All right, so that's what they're going to do. And after that, after all that, I'm still filled with really possible excitement here. And we didn't even talk about the fact that Starship might actually get a chance to fly before SLS does right now. I love that. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, we might cover it next time. I don't know. But Starship has undergone some flight tests of its, not flight tests, but rocket fi static firing of its own. And they brought the booster back to do some modifications to make it more safe for the orbital flight test, this first orbital flight test. It might make it back out. They might stack it with Starship 24. So Booster 7, Starship 24, they might get a chance to launch before SLS does. Now, I don't want to say it's a competition because it's really not. You <laughs> do need both to land on the moon, right? It's a race. But I I guarantee you SpaceX is like, we got to go first. 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 And Starship is being used for so much more than just landing on the moon. It's being used as a heavy lift launch platform for satellites. It's going to be used as a tanker. We talked about it before. It's going to be used as a tanker. It's going to be used as a launch system. It's going to be used as a landing system. And it's going to be used as a planetary landing system. So lots of stuff is happening with Starship, and it's really needed to make this all happen. So you can't just say, I'm an SLS fan or I'm a Starship fan. You need both. And that's what I've been stressing whenever I come up with who's going to launch first. And it doesn't matter because SLS will be a big rocket. Starship is bigger. They're both bigger than anything else out there. But when Starship launches, it will be the biggest rocket that this planet has ever seen. SLS will be right there. But the other problem is SLS is a disposable system. 
It launches mm. once, it ends up on the bottom of the ocean. Starship supposedly is going to come back and land and you can reuse it, just like the Falcon 9s that they've been reusing. I believe they're up to like 14 or 15 flights on some of their boosters right now. It's phenomenal. So anyway, that's where Artemis 1 is right now. They're waiting for that 12 to 27 November launch window when they can get back out there with a good system. Hopefully they'll work. I don't know. Maybe they'll experience more leaks. Maybe it'll be hit by lightning again. Maybe there'll be another hurricane. Who knows? I just want to know when is Artemis going to turn into a black goo that kills Tashiar? Oh, wait, that was Armis. Never mind. Was that what that's name was? I didn't even know it had a name. I only know that because I, I'm pretty sure there was... A, I had to Google it right now. To make you were joke, on but, memory beta, uh, weren't No, you? I'm, I'm pretty sure alpha. they made a lower deck. Lower decks made a joke about it recently. So <sighs> I need to get caught up on that. <laughs> I think it might have been last season anyways, but... Uh, all right, so that, that will be interesting to follow. I do have to say, though, that... Um, yeah, a, a lot of... A lot of it doesn't give me optimism for for the future of Artemis. There's just been a, a lot of challenges the whole way along. In our chat, by the way, at Geekstall Live, we do have a couple of people commenting that failure is a bad word. No one wants to use it because failure causes budget cuts, which I agree. I'm not so sure in this case. I think whatever administration is in there when this thing does land, well, it... Actually, the funny part is SLS will never land anywhere. It's just transporting people to another place. Starship will land somewhere. But anyway, the Artemis program, when the Artemis program finally lands back on the moon and the first woman steps foot on the moon, because that is the plan right now. It's not going to be a, another guy. It's going to be a woman will be stepping foot on the moon. The president's going to want to say, I did it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a political thing. So I don't think this thing gets cut at all. Between now and then. And even if it does, I have a hunch that Elon Musk with Starship is going to be like, I'm just going to do this anyway. Screw y'all. Anything you'd like to comment on it, Chris? I'm just glad that the hurricane didn't impact seeing the destruction that it wrought mm -hmm. afterwards. That's a good point. If the hurricane would have come, this is a Cap 4 hurricane. And I know Kennedy Space Center has been on the brunt of hurricanes before, but if it, the hurricane would have been a direct hit on the east or the, yeah, the eastern coast of the peninsula around Orlando, Titusville area, Kennedy Space Center, I think we'd be singing quite a different tune. The VAB is meant to withstand winds up to like 105 miles per hour. But after that, it's designed to have panels blow out to save the structure. And when that would happen, that would mean that everything inside the VAB would be subject to destruction, basically, because of really, really high winds, you know, up to 150 miles an hour and stuff like that. So, yeah, this, this could be a bad thing. And it also points to the fact that we should really have more than one singular place to launch and Starship is doing that. That's why we have Vandenberg for a government. That's why Vandenberg exists. There's a launch complex in Virginia. You have Kennedy Space Center. But that's also why SpaceX has Boca Chica. Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica. There you go, Stephen. I know you wanted me to say that. I do. I've that's been why they have it. Yeah, that's why they have Boca Chica, and that's why they have those uh, those floating launch platforms that they are going to be making as well, just to make sure that we have our base is covered with multiple different options. Even the space shuttle had multiple different places that it could land at, right? Mm -hmm. so. 
Well, thanks for updating us on that. Now, before we quickly update you about what we have been doing over the last year, Chris, you had one thing that you wanted to mention about Warner Brothers digital content. What? Hey, guys, you want to dunk on Warner Bros. Discovery some more because the Internet hasn't done it enough? Let's do that here. I've heard no critiques of that organization. Right? None whatsoever. (laughs) So we do know that Warner Brothers Discovery cut a bunch of stuff for tax purposes, tax write-offs. Specifically, the Batgirl film was mentioned, but there was a variety of content that was shown on Cartoon Network, adult cartoons that were cut. Well, we might have found another instance now of a series called Final Space that was an adult swim cartoon. There was a Twitter user that discovered their Amazon Prime video had deleted two seasons of the cartoon that they had purchased. Let's also note the third season never came out on either a physical or digital platform yet. The customer service rep from Amazon Help responded back to them saying, hello, your purchase titles may become inaccessible due to licensing restrictions or for other limited reasons. Now, while we have not officially gotten word as to what happened here, there are sites reporting, and I tend to think that this is probably the case, that this is another case of Warner Brothers removing content from services out there because they're writing it off for tax purposes. And if people have it in their hot little hands, they can't write it off for tax purposes. This brings us back to that interesting point of, hey, remember, when you get digital movies, when you buy, I'm using air quotes for those that are listening to audio, digital movies, you're really just purchasing a license that can be removed at any time. So we're getting into this awkward point now of, This product was out there. The first two seasons, I do believe, were published physically. The third was never published physically. And Warner has put them back in the vault so that people can't get to them. But more egregiously, potentially taken them directly out of people's digital libraries in order to do so. So this is a reminder that physical is king. And the ideal way to have digital copies is run your own Plex server because you legitimately own the physical copies So you are allowed to digitize them and consume them that way. Depending on where you live and depending on the laws, because it might be different from country. So let me rephrase. In the United States, (laughs) my understanding is you are allowed to rip your own movies for your own consumption. But if you go and sell those movies after ripping them, then you are no longer legally allowed to have them. One of the things that I think um, this highlights is is that's sort of how piracy is going to trend back up because there was like when you had Netflix in one other streaming service, take your pick. Cause for a long time it was Netflix was your go-to and there was a rotating streaming service that was trying, trying to chomp at, at Netflix's ankles. Uh, y- you had a decrease in piracy. Like there's, there's numbers out there that talk about how piracy did decrease as the streaming market really was like took off and people were like, Hey, I can find most of what I want streaming. Now there's a billion streaming services out there. That's that's increasing it. And now if you have digital media that people have paid for, they've spent the money on it and they have the capability to pirate, you can bet they're going to be more inclined to pirate it than buy it again on a physical media. Like like it's just it's going to increase piracy the more that they are taking away things that people have spent money on. And so I think you're going to keep seeing this go back up in this, you know, in conjunction with the increase of streaming services being unappealing. The point you were making is convenience trumped all. That's why people were Mm -hmm. willing to just go watch it on Netflix or in search streaming service X here because they didn't have to go and figure out where to find a torrent and then download the torrent and things like that. I don't I'm way out of date for how that kind of stuff happened. But regardless, it was the convenience factor. But we're to an interesting point now where I mentioned season three was never released physically. 
they've pulled back all the copies. You can't stop season one and two. They're out there. But season three, what do you do? It's not like this product doesn't exist. Right. There are people that enjoyed it. There are people who this was not necessarily their life's work, but one of their career defining moments was, hey, I have this show on Cartoon Network. This is a big deal to me. And now it's locked up, never to be seen again. Similar to the behavior we saw with Batgirl, which is, eh, we're not going to put this out. We're going to lock it up after we show it to ourselves to never see the light of day. And Batgirl was egregious too, because remember, everyone was hoping for leaks. When they went and pulled that, they pulled it off the servers the directors were working from putting together footage still for the release before they even told the announcement that it was being canceled. They yanked it so that they couldn't get to it because they were joking like, man, we should have gotten some better pictures of Michael Keith. Let's see if we can get them. <laughs> and it was already gone. Yeah. They couldn't get to the stuff they'd been working on. Friggin' Warner Brothers, man. Well, it will be interesting to see how this transpires. We're going to quickly move on to a, a segment where we'll give you a brief update about some of the geeky highlights from our past year. So I'm going to go ahead and make mine fast because I've, ha I've had a, a lot of different geeky dabblings in the world of home automation and 3D printing, but I'm going to give you some highlights from these things. Number one, home automation. You might have known before I reviewed Hubitat on here. I thought very highly of Hubitat. I, I still do. I've switched entirely over to Home Assistant. Home Assistant, just for me, um, they've they've come a long way that they've really impre improved the visual side of it. It still has a lot of more levels of difficulty compared to something like SmartThings and even Hubitat. But overall, I've switched all the way over to Home Assistant, and it just offers a little bit more flexibility, continues to all be local. And uh, yeah, I don't mind dabbling in some of those more challenging areas of Home Assistant, specifically the Zigbee and the Z-Wave aspects that it was pretty crappy before uh, when I first started looking at Home Assistant. Habitat just like was way, way better as far as device management went, but it looks a lot better. And uh, I've, I've done a couple of fun automations over the last year, which includes energy monitoring. I I've put different plugs around different areas to help monitor energy and home assistant has a nice little dashboard that that shows you some of those things including i used energy mart monitoring through my my home assistant to help diagnose an issue with a fridge and nice. and and have reasonable certainty of what was wrong and fix said fridge it was the defrost element but it was kind of fun using smart technology to fix a fridge also the other thing with my automations is i um may have uh, have smartified my security light side mm -hmm. where now um, it's all entirely um, instead of being just one of those old school motion sensors, it's tied to the door. It's tied, tied to uh, motion sensors all around around the yard. It's tied to unlocking the door. I love it. It's great. Uh, 3D printing wise, I want to just highlight one of the cool things that I did, which kind of ties in smart things with with uh, my 3D printing is uh, for my Christmas display last year, I decided I was going to get into more flexible, individually addressable LED colors, which means, you know, a whole smart aspect to it. But I did 3D prints for some lighted arches around my yard last year, which was a super cool dad moment for me because I had come up with the design of how to 3D print and design these arch holders. But you know what I did? It was my son that actually did the process. I, I sat him down and showed him the software. Nice. 
And I, I had to, you know, walk him through a couple things, but he helped figure out some of the challenges. I just kind of drew out the idea of what we needed to do and then gave him some measurements as we went through. And that was really fun because he he got behind the controls and did all of those. And then the other thing 3D printing wise is like, you know, family bought a travel trailer this past year and it needed a bit of work, including helping block a few areas from rodents coming in. And I 3D printed some, some uh, like, you know, a pipe flange custom for it because it was in a weird spot. I, th I 3D printed a cap for a duck that goes under the, the trailer that I don't need because I'm not camping in anything but warm weather. So he 3D prints for the travel trailer, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, the last thing that I kind of want to mention out of my geek highlight reel uh, is that um, I've, I've, started to to become a bit of a keyboard snob it's something Ooh. that um that i've gotten into mecha a mechanical keyboard just recently just a couple what, months what ago what key types do you prefer the mx cherry browns the reds <laughs> i, what, what I actually rocking? i actually like the reds the 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 uh, linear switches i I, I i like the reds uh i think I, I could maybe find myself as a brown guy now that i've used the reds because i went from like just a, a regular um you know uh what the heck do you call it the the um the, the pad keyboard uh the membrane keyboard i went from a membrane oh, keyboard yeah. keyboard to a mechanical keyboard so the red was a nice entry but now that i've used it a little bit i think i might i might try browns next but it's uh yeah i tweeted about a while ago it's a keychron k4 keyboard i quite like it and um yeah i i am a bit of a snob as i go you know use a membrane keyboard i'm like ew it's gummy ew 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 oh and also i'll eat crow i'll throw one more in there I, I bought a second Steam Deck. So again, you were not just once right, Chris. You were twice right. You mean Stream Deck. <laughs> Sorry, you Stream Deck. I was like, you've got deck. two Steam Decks? No, Damn. I bought a Stream Deck. You are correct. I bought a Steam Deck, which fun fact, I was just Googling Stream Deck the other day as I was reworking all my stuff for this show. And Google actually says, did you mean Steam Deck? And it changes your results to right. Steam Deck. And I'm like, oh, you little, little... Uh, who was it that makes the Steam Deck? Corsair? Yes, no. Corsair. No, Corsair makes Stream Deck. Who makes Steam Deck? Valve. Steam Deck no. is, is Valve slash Steam. Yeah. So, damn you, Valve. Damn mm -hmm. you, Valve. So those are my quick highlights. Obviously, I've done a lot more geek things over the past year, but those are some things that I wanted to mention as I look at my, my new smartwatch as well. Go ahead, Chris. You're next. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I do have a new smartwatch, too. I've got a Fitbit that I've been working that has Google Assistant integrated, which is kind of cool. But real quick stuff I'm getting into. I've updated some of my network hardware. I had some Eero Pro 5s and a couple beacons. The beacons have been retired for emergency purposes, and I've got some Eero 6 hardware in place that I'm rocking in place of it. Pretty rock solid. Works fine for me. Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show, but I know I mentioned it in our chats. I bought an M1 MacBook Air. I got a real good deal for an open box, like excellent condition and no joke, like a year ago for like 700 bucks on Best Buy site. I think it was a price error. And the thing was pristine and had two battery cycles on it when I got it. So it's just the baseline 256 gigabyte M1 MacBook Air. But what I was curious to do on it was to start using it using iMovie, just basic thing for doing my video editing for podcasts and running Audacity on it. And it's been incredibly fast in comparison. Now I have an older PC, but I've migrated all of my editing over to the M1 MacBook Air because it all ran quicker on that M1 processor. It, it's insane how well that works. And I have contemplated whether in the future I want to 
build a machine, not build a machine, but have a Mac mini machine that's basically designed to be my streaming system setup slash audio visual stuff like that because OBS just did an update for M1 chip native chip support. So I'm really curious how well that works. And that's some of the stuff I'm going to do just as some tests is use my M1 MacBook Air to do some OBS streaming and see what happens. I will get thermal throttled at some point because there's no fan in it, but everything I've done so far, I've not gotten thermal throttled. And that includes doing like two hour long renders of videos with no thermal throttling. It's an incredibly interesting machine and I'm getting used to Mac OS again. And I have to admit it really works nicely with my iPad to be able to put them side by side and have extended screen, things like that. So when I turned that into my editing machine, I also wanted a bigger display. So I was watching open box deals and sales. And eventually I bought a 27 inch LG Ultrafine 4K monitor with USB-C that I have set up for my display. And what's really nice there is it's got a 90 watt power supply that runs into that monitor. So I just connect my laptop via USB-C and it only needs, I think for the MacBook Air, 30 watts. So it charges my laptop, then pushes everything to the display. And there's USB ports in the back where I've hung USB Ethernet adapters and things like that. And it all just works when I plug in one single USB-C cable. I kind of enjoy it in simplicity. I love it. I haven't done a ton of smart home stuff. I did buy some new devices. I bought some old tech, the Google Home Max, which is a device they've never really replaced in their lineup. For those who aren't aware, it's a speaker. It's a big honking speaker about, I don't know, like 16 inches wide and probably about eight inches deep. It's really good. It has great audio quality. So I kind of watched until I could find one secondhand in good shape. And most of the secondhand ones I could find that were affordable were just beat to hell and they had like holes in the screen material in the speaker material stuff like that i got a real good deal on this one for like 140 bucks pristine black no damage to it whatsoever the only thing that was different is it didn't have the factory power cord and i've got it set up in my living room right now and the sound is fantastic on it this is the one that's also got like the ai learning so it's doing like constant adapting to your room dynamics and stuff like that for the best sound it's not a sonos speaker but it's really good and in that same line, you can sort of see over my right shoulder, one of these devices sitting on my file cabinet, I have two Nest Audio speakers that are stereo paired that I have in my office because I'm still working from home. So pretty much when I'm listening to music during the day, I have the stereo pair Nest Audio speakers and they're also really good. This was another thing I found online, just waited for the right deal. Uh, two other things real quick in regards to smart home automation. As soon as Matter becomes an actual thing and rolls out, which we're getting close to, and for those that are curious, go check out the Smart Home channel in the Discord. We've talked about it a lot. Effectively, it makes it so that all these devices can talk to each other regardless of who you've bought them through and what architecture they run on right now. I want to start doing some stuff like putting a motion sensor in my basement so as soon as you open the door and it's during a certain time period, it turns on the lights in the uh, basement office and things like that. And I found the device I want to use primarily because, and I can't remember its name, but it's bookmarked, but because it only works on HomeKit right now. But as soon as Matter becomes a thing, I'll be able to use it via smart things and things like that. So that's my experiment. When that comes out, I'll pick up a few of those motion sensors to do some lights internally. Then the final thing, I had kind of retired from this. Now I've kind of gotten back into it because of YouTube stuff. Uh, toy hunting. I love it. I love going action figure hunting and I'd quit for a while and then the pandemic had kind of helped me quit. And now I've kind of limited a little bit so that when I go and do a run out, I, I'm hunting for specific action figures 
hang on my wall. You can sort of see some of my older ones that are on my wall over the right-hand shoulder from when Iron Man 3 came out. But pretty much the entire office is ringed in action figures on the top level. And then there's some of them hanging on the wall and stuff like that that I've just acquired over the years. Some of them as far back as when I was a, a lad of 13 years old. I still have some of those that my parents had in a box that I took and hung on the wall down here. So I'm back into hunting. I have a problem. I have a real problem. When you do the toy hunting, you you go out and you seek the toys. You don't just go to one of those like, you know, toy farms to do the hunting, do you? No. Uh, for the most part, it's when you go to say Walmart or Target, if we had Toys R Us, Toys R Us, and it's it's the finding the cool stuff that you can't find. It's not as fun to buy it secondhand online, although I have filled a few holes on things I wanted by purchasing online when I can find <laughs> decent prices. Well, that's good to hear because I, I know you used to do quite a bit of it. So I, I'm happy to hear that, Chris. And and I feel like I feel like you have um, I, an intervention coming through. I think that's what's, what's pretty. I can soon fix enough. my problem because I, I was curious and started looking up some of the older stuff I've gotten just price wise and some stuff that I bought just on a whim that was relatively cheap just because of scarcity and becoming more popular later. I'm like, that's worth 120 bucks. I paid 10 bucks for that on the clearance rack. So. <laughs> There's some stuff that if if I really needed to get my fix, I could flip some old stuff to buy newer stuff. But I like some of this old stuff. I don't think I'm going to. All right. Well, lastly, SP, what do you got there over the last year that was super geeky? And I'm assuming that we're going to leave out the part where you talked about the life-size me that you made over the last year. Is it a robot? Uh, it's just, I took a big tree and I took my chainsaw and I started carving out a figure of, I would say a life-size figure, but it's a little bit bigger of Steven in my backyard. I'm just going to tell you, I heard there's a maple syrup spout on there, but I'm not going to tell you where. It's your mouth. You you tilt the head back and just go blah and just pours maple syrup out of his mouth. Yeah, let's go with that. It's like a Pez maker, Pez dispenser. Do you ever see the movie The Money Pit? No. no, and I'm afraid now. Okay, well, the spout is in that same spot as the, <laughs> the figurine in the Money Pit. It's a great movie, Shelley Long and Tom Cruise, or Tom Hanks, not Tom Cruise. What's happened in the past year? Well, part of the reason why we took started to take a break was my daughter was getting married in October of last year. So she's been married just shy of a year now, and that was a big production if you've ever had a uh, child get married in your family. It is just a huge thing. You, you have to go all in on it for several weeks, actually like a year in advance, really nine months, year, six months, wh- however long they give you, you kind of got to go all in on that. So we did that. It turned out great and was a uh, unexpectedly warm day. And we had a lot of people come and it was fun. It was outdoors. So at the time there were still COVID restrictions in place, but it was outdoors. So everybody could attend. Uh, also, since the last time we've been together, I've moved my son twice. You've been busy. That was, yeah, the, the first time was okay. We're, we're good for a couple of years. And then a couple of months later, he's like, I got a new job. I need to move again. I'm like, okay. Could have just sent so, some links to some moving companies. Yeah. Right. Well, the first time we did use two men in a truck, 
And that was very much appreciated, but they're expensive. So the second time we did it all of ourselves and he was able to make a couple of trips before I was able to get up there. So he took care of a lot on his own the second time around. He was more comfortable with the whole moving process. And it was just, he needed me to carry some big stuff and, and stuff like that. I'm just so going anyway, to say there's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine joke in there. Uh, two men in a truck. I'll leave it at that. Not seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so I don't know. I, I don't Chris get knows. that reference. Chris knows. Okay. I do. <laughs> like Chris, I've kept podcasting. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been ongoing. We've been covering all the Marvel stuff. Uh, generally, we wait for the movies to get on Disney Plus right now just because some of the agents on the podcast team uh, don't like to go into theaters. So we just wait for the movies to come on Disney Plus. And like Thor, Love and Thunder, I've seen it, but we haven't reviewed it yet because we're in the middle of reviewing She-Hulk right now. We've also reviewed all of the streaming shows. So it's been pretty fun. We've also been reviewing the X-Men, the animated series from the 90s so that when X-Men 97 comes out next year, we'll have a good basis for that. We also had the chance to interview the creators uh, Eric and Julia Lewald a few episodes ago, and that was a real fun time for everybody. They're they're just very giving people and very giving to the community. It's really fun to spend time with them. I have spent most of the past 2022 in physical therapy because I've had some medical issues. I lost complete feeling in my right arm, like completely. I lost some motor function, so I've been trying to get some of that back. Yes, the surgery could help, but yes, the surgery could also leave me paralyzed. So I'm trying the therapy first, and that's got a lot of my focus. I do that therapy religiously every day, and it takes an hour of my time every day to do that in addition to normal like walks and, and stuff like that. Also in the past year, I have built a new gaming computer, state-of-the-art gaming computer. I still can say state-of-the-art because I think most of the components are still on the high end. I was able to source a GPU back when they were still rare and more expensive. I did pay a lot more for the computer than I would today, but I've also gotten to use it for six months or so, and that's been really fun. It is, with all the RGB, with all the windows in that you can get in a case nowadays, it's, it's really fun to build a computer and to showcase it. I don't showcase it, but I can look over and look inside it all the time. And it's also assisted me in my podcasting capabilities, specifically rendering in 4K and editing in 4K. It was very much that jump up, which very much needed. I really needed to do it in 2020, but of course, pandemic came around, so had to wait two years for it. Also, I've redone the entire podcasting space. You can't really see it because what's behind me hasn't changed, but what's in front of me has changed quite a bit. I got a new ultra, like Chris, I've got a new monitor. It's a new ultra-wide ultra 2K monitor. Now, Chris has a 4K monitor. This is a 2K monitor, but it is 34 inches, and it is a work of art. I love this thing. I can't believe I have been working without this. It's a straight monitor, so it's not curved or anything. And I also have two side monitors and then a fourth monitor off to the wayside there. It's been a game changer. The monitor, all the computers, the audio equipment, upgrades, yeah, they're nice, but that monitor... Is like the best thing that I've ever gotten. And then I've also upgraded some audio stuff. I got a new Rodecaster Pro 2 and added that into my system. It's been a fun transition. 
Uh, very expensive and painful transition, but it's been a fun transition. I organized my comics, and this has been ongoing since April, and it's not done yet, but it is mostly done. And my suggestion for you, if you do have a lot of comics that you don't have organized, get started on it now because it's going to be this long, ongoing thing. No matter if you want to keep the stuff, if you want to sell the stuff, whatever, just to know what you have and you've been collecting for a while, it takes a lot of organization and then keep it safe too. You want to board and bag it. You want to keep it away from water sources and you want to keep it in a relatively dry place. All that takes effort to set up and that has been ongoing. Like Steven, I have a refrigerator story, but unlike Steven, I bought a new refrigerator for the first time in 20 years. It happens to be a smart refrigerator. It's Samsung refrigerator. The coolest part about this refrigerator is not the fact that I can log into it and see if the door is open or see what temperature it's at. Those are all cool. But it's got this water pitcher that I put into the door and it automatically fills and then it's got cold water in it. That is the coolest part of the whole refrigerator. (laughs) And you might be thinking, that's stupid. And when we bought it, I was thinking that is the stupidest thing. I wish we could take that out because I'm like, it's taking space in the door. But after I've been using it, I'm like... I can't believe I've been living without this. And I'm not talking like outside the door, you know, where you have the ice and the water come out. I'm talking inside the door. You put it in there and then you shut the door and it fills full of 48 ounces of water that it gets cold. And actually it's cold already because there's the line in there. So yeah, that thing is amazing. And I don't think LG has something similar, but they do have, LG has some cool like craft ice capabilities that's available to you so you might want to think like like you know the ball eyes and i've heard and i don't know for sure but i've heard lg is experimenting with making death star spherical ice cubes (laughs) maybe so yeah yeah that would be (laughs) cool and i out of necessity my lawnmower crapped out so i bought an electric lawnmower that is a whole thing not a robo mower It's not a robo motor. I know I said I was going to get a robo motor. They just weren't available in the price range that I needed. And I could assure myself that it wasn't going to hurt anybody, a dog, a kid, something like that. So I went with a actual electric lawnmower. We'll talk about that in a future episode. I started a new podcast, uh, Better Podcasting Chats with SP. That was because Better Podcasting has also been in hiatus, and I just had this urge to get some podcasting stuff out, but uh, that is a show in, in hiatus, and it's not meant to run forever, so we'll just see when the natural end to that is. And the last thing I will say is I, out of necessity, got some new earbuds. I got the AirPod Pro 2s when they first came out uh, a few weeks ago. Just got them delivered a week or so ago, a week and a half ago or so. Not too much of an improvement over the original AirPod. First, I will say I had to get them because one of my earbuds was bad. So I needed an earbud replacement anyway. And if I was going to replace an earbud, why don't I just replace the whole thing, right? So I got the whole thing. 
almost the same thing, but the charger itself, it has a better speaker on it. So mm. if you lose it, you can find it a lot better. You don't need an air tag or whatever. You can just go to it. And then also I've noticed that there are some small improvements like I can touch it and change the volume on it a lot easier. Like I could never actually do it with my original ones. I don't even know if it had that option on it or not, but I can do it with these. So it's been a small improvement. If you have the original AirPod Pros, I wouldn't, and they're working fine for you. I would not upgrade them to the twos, but if you need, if you have an Apple device and if you need new earbuds, they are pretty cool. Well, that is awesome. It's good to hear all the details of everything that we did over the last year. There was nothing else that it, that we did other than the things that we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's actually a lot. There, for those, for the listener, for you that don't know, yeah, Stephen's making a joke. We all yeah. had a lot more stuff that we did in the last year. Well, I just, before we go, I just wanted to give a shout out there. You know, it's been a year. We got a huge budget now. We, we've got, managed to get ourselves a roving reporter now to cover certain things. The, you know, the budget is massive now. And, and so the, uh, the roving reporter did send us a few pictures uh, to do with the lead up to the Crew 5 launch, which I believe is scheduled for this Friday or Wednesday, I mean. I it's believe. scheduled for Wednesday. Wednesday. It was supposed to be today, yeah, but, I believe, but they had to push it back because of the hurricane. Yeah. So anyways, our, our our high-paid roving reporter did send us a few pictures, which were kind of fun, and I'll just quickly thumb through them for the video viewer. Just some, some various pictures of the Crew 5 folks, as well as uh, just, you know, some, some different space apparatuses. <laughs> so could you go back a second? <gasps> All right. So that one is not the booster that they're going to be launching on, but it was being transported throughout Kennedy Space Center, and it is significantly black because they have used it 14 times. 14, wow. Wow. Yep, and, and it's going to be 15. And uh, for those of you who are watching the video side of things, you will see a picture that shows that our roving report reporter does have a launch guest pass which is pretty cool and also there's some pictures taken of the crew five well crew obviously yeah they're in quarantine right now so you can't go up and, and talk to them or hug them but there's a line that they have uh, so that you can go out and see them and whatever there's also some shots around kennedy space center that a roving reporter has taken uh they are using spacex but that you're watching right now is a picture of the blue origin building SP's that is on the ground facility, i believe yeah, we didn't even touch on the fact that their rocket blew up. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that wasn't wasn't good. But there you go. Thank you, Roving Reporter, for your photos. We do greatly appreciate that. And the check is in the mail. Uh, yeah. Well, that's going to go ahead. Uh, by the way, you still owe Chris $5. <laughs> that's true. I do. I think I said I'd pay him $5. All right. Well, thanks everybody for checking out the show. If you want to get the latest updates, please come to gunnageek.com slash discord. You can find all of the latest happenings there. We've expanded the network a little bit and you can say hi to everybody there. You can also go to our Twitter at twitter.com slash gunnageek or find all of our various Twitters. And we will have an update pretty soon on what things are going to look like for the future of gunnageek. Like I said, it would be the once a month sort of thing. Maybe occasionally the extra episode, depending on what's happening. Maybe something exciting will happen. 
but we will just wait and see. Chris, SB, really miss doing the show with you. I look forward to doing more as we close out the year. And uh, yeah, no, I was really looking forward today. So thank you for her, for doing this on such short notice. I know we had talked behind the scenes about the future, but we threw this episode together on short notice. And thank you very much, Chris and SP. Yeah, I noticed Suncast in the, in the chat said one and done. This is not one and done. We will be doing some more, but it will be probably at a once a month basis for now. So check out all things good and nerdy podcast. Check that out. Check out Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Check that out. Check out the chats with SP. And check out Better Podcasting once it returns. So for episode number 394 of the Official Gunna Geek Show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying the set is not really here. I'm SP saying it's good to be back here with you guys. Chris, we've got to play some Stadia. Why you can. I keep getting the mailers. They keep blasting me. Bye. Like like the AOL discs, right? <laughs> <laughs>for checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show if you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.